0: In this week's market update, earnings season begins, investors turn defensive as recession fears rise and Covid is back on the radar in China. So earnings season is on us again. This week we see the first results announcements covering the three months from April to June for the biggest US companies and the big question is whether so far remarkably resilient earnings forecasts can hold up. It's an important question because the bear market that we have experienced so far in 2022 has all been about lower valuation multiples. The current level of the market prices in continuing, if lower, earnings growth. If that's not actually delivered, then the fall in markets may have further to go. History suggests that bear markets that are only associated with a valuation reset tend to bottom out on average 20% or so below the recent peak. That's pretty much what we've experienced so far. If, however, the bear market accompanies an economic and an earnings downturn, then the drop is usually bigger, around 35%. So that's why everyone is watching the upcoming earnings round so closely. If results meet expectations and valuations stabilize, then the market can edge higher from here. If they don't, could be more pain to come so this is a difficult phase in the market cycle earnings growth is slowing and valuations are compressing it's a bad combination but the process is likely to be completed well before the bad news starts to really emerge that's how markets work so markets will stabilize and turn up while the headlines are still bad things kick off later this week with a handful of the big banks jp morgan citigroup Wells Fargo and Morgan Stanley are the ones to watch. Banks usually do better as interest rates rise, but ahead of a possible recession, it's likely that some will raise their provisions against bad loans, so it's a two-way pull. At the same time as investors are assessing earnings reports, the Fed will continue with its fight against inflation. We get the latest CPI reading later this week, with the expectation that US inflation will have continued to rise albeit only marginally, from 8.6% to 87 The hope that inflation may have peaked has seen expectations about the end point for interest rates moderate in recent weeks. We're now looking at roughly 3.5% sometime next year, followed by a reversal as the Fed starts to ease again in the face of a slowing economy. There's no sign of any slowdown yet in the US. Last week's non-farm payroll employment data were stronger than expected with around 370,000 new jobs created and the unemployment rate standing at close to its cyclical low point at 3.6%. But the yield curve is now telling us that a recession is more likely as there's no difference really between the yield on two-year treasuries and those on ten years. A flat curve like this is traditionally a warning of tougher economic times ahead. Another good sign of problems down the track is what's happening to yields on corporate bonds. These will tend to rise as investors start to price in the possibility of higher default rates from companies. Higher yields lead to lower bond prices, and we've seen the biggest falls in these since the early days of the pandemic. Finally, concerns about the future are captured by inflation expectations. One widely watched measure of this is the implied average inflation rate over a five year period starting in five years time. Sounds complicated, but it's a very useful gauge for central bankers because it tells them what the market thinks the longer term impact of their policies will be. Currently, this five year, five year inflation measure stands at 1.86% and that compares with 2.67% earlier this year. That reflects a significant shift in what investors are worrying about from inflation to recession. This is also being reflected in the parts of the stock market that investors are gravitating towards. Earlier this year, energy and material stocks were in demand as the war in Ukraine caused supply shortages and inflation rose. Those sectors have fallen out of favour quickly more recently as recession fears have risen. Now the safe havens in the market are defensive sectors like consumer staples and healthcare and higher quality companies. Things have also looked up a bit for the technology sector which took a beating as investors started to price in higher interest rates. Tech did well when growth was scarce and interest rates low, then fell as recovery favoured more cyclical sectors and rates rose, and now tech is performing relatively better as expectations rise that the Fed will be less aggressive than feared. On the other hand, commodities, which soared on post-COVID reopening hopes and then the war in Ukraine, have reversed course as inflation fears give over to recession worries. Although gold and silver are commodities that march to a slightly different beat from industrial metals, they too have been weak recently, as rising interest rates have raised the opportunity cost of holding metals That pay no income. It all goes to show that timing the market is very difficult indeed. Far better to have a well diversified portfolio that benefits from the winners at any point in time and so smooths the ride for investors. In other markets more country specific issues are at play. In China for example shares fell sharply at the start of this week on fears that Covid is back and ahead of GDP figures on Friday, which will show how big a hit recent lockdowns dealt to China's economy in the second quarter. Over the weekend, the reimposition of harsh restrictions, more Covid testing, including in Guangzhou, a city of 6 million, and a lockdown in Macau spooked investors. Property developers were among the hardest hit on fears that new lockdowns would snuff out a recovery in consumer sentiment that has boosted real estate sales. And tech stocks were hit by new fines on Alibaba and Tencent for failing to comply with anti-monopoly regulations. More recently investors had hoped that Beijing's regulatory squeeze on the sector was easing. That and the easing of COVID restrictions had led to a near 10% rise in Chinese shares in June, easily outstripping the rest of the world where recession fears had seen stock markets go into reverse. As with the volatile performance of different sectors, the swings and roundabouts in geographical terms makes a good case for diversification. Meanwhile, here in the UK, the focus has been largely on politics in the past week, as Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, said he would stand down once a new Conservative Party leader has been elected, probably in September. The pound continued to weaken against the dollar after initially rising on the apparent ending of political uncertainty because the extended transition ahead of the autumn party conference season promises a summer of policy drift with effectively a lame duck administration in Downing Street. At just under $1.20, the pound is now as weak as it was in the immediate aftermath of the Brexit vote in 2016, and at a level last reached at the start of the pandemic, when investors naturally gravitated towards the safe haven of the US currency. The pound is not the only currency struggling against the dollar, however. The yen continues to hit new multi-decade lows at 137 yen to the dollar, and the euro is close to parity with the US currency as investors assume that the ECB will remain much less hawkish than the Fed in the fight against inflation. As in the UK, Europe is as concerned by weak growth as it is by high inflation. This week we'll get the latest snapshot of the health of the UK economy when May's GDP data are unveiled. A fourth consecutive month of no growth is pencilled in as the cost of living crisis continues to impact consumption. Not only was inflation in May the highest in 30 years, there was also an uptick in national insurance contributions.